2: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in Fox Sports Radio studios brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Happy Monday. Hope you guys are having an excellent start to your week. Thanks for joining us here on Outkick the Coverage. want to remind you, Duralast batteries proven tough and designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions with patented technology to deliver the most power during startup get in the zone Auto zone well in the first half the Spurs were in the zone in the second half it was all Warriors and I got to be honest with you we finally got to the Western Conference finals it seemed as if we might get a monkey wrench into the equation really early in the process suddenly were the Spurs going to rise up and challenge the Golden State Warriors in a series in a way that we have not seen in the playoffs so far the Warriors roll in 8-0 in the playoffs The obviously Cleveland Cavaliers are 8-0 as well. Still waiting to see what's going to happen, who they're going to play. Game 7 of Wizards and Celtics going on right now. And it is a total crapshoot. What's going to happen? There's a 25-point lead. Everything is rolling for the Spurs. And then it's like deja vu all over again. This game was eerily similar to what happened on March 30th in San Antonio. If you remember that game at all, the Warriors came back from 22 down at San Antonio. Just a little less than six weeks ago, that was the game, I'm sure the next day we came on and we talked about it, that was the game where the Spurs had an opportunity to establish that they were going to make a run at the Warriors and try to be the number one overall seed in the Western Conference, and then what happened? We saw exactly the same thing. Except, this time, Kawhi Leonard got injured. In the 22-point road comeback in San Antonio, Kawhi Leonard did not get injured. And so, so many different people are going to circle back around and say, well, this is what happened when Kawhi Leonard gets injured. They're going to argue that if Kawhi never went out, this outcome would have been different. I disagree. I think that we saw the outcome here because the Warriors are bored. It's crazy to say, especially because they're in the Western Conference Finals now, but I think the Golden State Warriors are the equivalent of you playing a sport against your kid. doesn't matter what that sport is, basketball, baseball, running contest, throwing contest, chess. Maybe your kids can get you in video games. But otherwise, you know at some point in time, even if you're losing, that you can make a run and end up winning the game. And it really just gets into what your parental philosophy is, whether or not you decide to win that game. If you're playing horse in the backyard with your kid, you're probably not going to get run H-O-R-S-E, but you're probably not going to beat that kid without ever missing a shot yourself. You're going to make it competitive. You might even fall behind early in the process. That's just how these things work. I think that's what the Warriors are like right now. I think the Golden State Warriors are bored. I think they know that they are by far the best team, certainly in the Western Conference, and I think they feel like they're going to dominate the Cavs when they get to the NBA Finals. I don't think the Warriors have a scintilla of doubt about whether or not a team can beat them four out of seven. And so this was the opportunity for the Spurs to show up, punch them in the mouth, and make this a series. Instead, I think the Spurs are going to get swept or it's going to go five games. I just don't see it as being a legitimate series now. This is the second time where the Warriors basically basically haven't shown up out of the gate, and they've come back from a 20-plus point deficit. 22 points on March 30th in San Antonio, 25 points at Golden State. Now, all you people out there saying, oh, if Kawhi Leonard doesn't get hurt, you tend to overvalue individual players. I learned this from my guy Todd Furman. You can go follow him on Twitter at Todd Furman. I learned that we as fans and media overvalue individual players. Best valuation of players that occurs in the entire country happens in Las Vegas and with the offshore books. Do you know what the line move has been since Kawhi Leonard has gotten injured? About two and a half or three points. That means that Kawhi Leonard, on average, makes the Spurs two and a half or three points better than they would be if they didn't have him for an entire game. Remember, they had him for the entire game when they gave up that 22-point home position, that lead that they had in San Antonio. I think the Spurs still would have lost even if Kawhi Leonard didn't get hurt. Was not a dirty play, by the way. The other thing that jumps out to me about this opener is how little time we even spend... Talking about Mike Brown stepping in for Steve Kerr. We've got an interim head coach. Think about this with me for a minute. We have got an interim head coach in Mike Brown who has not had a great deal of success in the postseason. LeBron James gets him fired with the Cavs. He burns out with the Lakers. We've got Mike Brown on the sideline for the Golden State Warriors going up against Greg Popovich. You have one of the greatest coaches in the history of the NBA and Greg Popovich, I think just about every single person listening to me right now would say, if you had to pick an NBA coach to lead your team for one game in a one-game life-or-death battle, you would pick right now Greg Popovich. And Mike Brown is nowhere near as good as Greg Popovich. Yet the NBA is such a player's league that almost no one is talking about this situation. Which raises the question, can you imagine... Think about this with me. If this were just about any other sport, can you imagine if Urban Meyer or Nick Saban was coaching against an interim coach in college football? Not even a normal coach, but an interim coach. Can you imagine if Bill Belichick got to go up against an interim coach in the Super Bowl? Or if Izzo or Patino or one of the best coaches in college basketball got to do the same in the NCAA tournament against an interim coach. It would be a massive story. And I think that's because at least when it comes to the NFL, college football, or college basketball, we recognize that the coach matters. Here, how much worse would the Golden State Warriors be if I were their head coach? How much worse would the Golden State Warriors be if you pulled a random person out of the stands and said, you're head coach for this game. If you told me right now that I had to go coach an NFL game or a college football game, and I put on the headset and stood on the sideline, I would have no idea what was going on. Right? You know, I could make basic decisions. Should we run or pass on third down? But the actual way that it would sound on your headset with the play calls, with the high level of discourse, it's a little bit like having a... Like an army planning, right? Like it's it, it's as if you are in in the process of trying to decide how to attack somebody. Yet, if I was in the NBA or college basketball, I think I could understand pretty easily what to do. Right? You know what we're going to do on this possession? We're going to ISO for Steph Curry and get him an open three. You know what we're going to do on this possession? We're going to ISO. Uh, we're going to ISO Kevin Durant. I mean, it's not incredibly complicated to figure out what to do. And it, I think that's fascinating in this battle because I bet you're going to listen to Sports Talk Radio all day. You might well put it on television and I bet you don't hear anybody talking about Mike Brown versus Greg Popovich. And it is going to be fascinating to see what ends up happening in this series if the Warriors continue to dominate. It is Monday. We have lots to discuss. 877-996-6369 is the phone number. Always like to open up the phone lines for you guys. We've got Game 7 tonight. We've got the Celtics against the Wizards. Does it matter who wins? Does it uh, Does it even matter in any respect? I asked this question. I went ahead and took a step forward because I was curious what your responses would be. Who are you guys rooting for? At this point in time, I'm, I, I've been saying it for a while, but I, I think it would be stunning if we did not have a series between the Warriors and the Cavs And I was curious, who are you guys rooting for? Which team would you choose to support? And this poll question is up on my Twitter feed, at Clay Travis is the uh, the location. Nearly 13,000 of you have voted, and 57% of you are rooting for the Cavs. 43% rooting for the Warriors. I think it's fair to say, despite the fact people in San Antonio are going to say, no, we're going to win this series. You're not giving enough respect to the Spurs. You're wrong. You're probably going to get swept. You're certainly going to lose within five games. But 57% of you going for the Cavs. So I feel like there's a lot of LeBron hate out there. But I'm kind of surprised that the amount of hate for the Warriors isn't being talked about. Because at least in my poll, with nearly 13,000 of you voting, 57% of you, it's a pretty substantial majority, said you'd be rooting for the Cavs over the Warriors. Again, open up the phone lines 877-996-6369. The Warriors board team. They feel like they can win no matter what. There's not a team out there that can win four out of seven. They don't show up. They take a punch in the mouth. They laugh at the Spurs. They come roaring back from 25 down. It's not just that they did it this time. It's that they redid it all over again. Baby hit me one more time. They came back from a 22-point deficit on March 30th, and now they've come back from a 25-point deficit. Kawhi Leonard, Probably going to be out for Tuesday's game. That means that the Warriors have a very good shot of going up 2-0. And the likelihood here, let's be honest, of any team coming back from an 0-2 deficit in the NBA is low. We'll take your phone calls, 877-996-6369. We'll bring in the crew, Danny G., Robert, and Jason Martin in the next segment. Thank you for hanging with us. We hope you're getting your we're getting your Monday off to a scintillating start here. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, Monday morning, getting you off and running. Great news, quick way you can save money, switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. I'm Clay Travis, and the reaction's already pouring in on Twitter from Spurs fans, convinced that I'm not giving enough respect to their team. And I, I think this is normal. When a team loses, like the Spurs lost, everybody wants to point out, oh, oh, there was a, that was a, that was a dirty play by Zaza. That's crazy. There's absolutely no way that that was a dirty play. He would have to be an unbelievable, skilled, incredible body control to manage to hurt Kawhi Leonard on poss- uh, on intentionally by trying to get his foot underneath on the landing zone. I mean, that's just not going to happen. That's not a valid argument. And again, for everybody out there who says, oh, well, the Spurs would have 100% won this game without Kawhi Leonard getting hurt, how do you explain the 22-point loss at home when Kawhi Leonard played the whole game? I think the Warriors would have made a run. Now, maybe the Spurs would have held on, but I think the Warriors would have still found a way to win. Remember, back in that game in March, which was on the road in San Antonio, the Warriors got down 22 and then ended up winning by double digits. It wasn't even a close game at the end. They won by 12. I thought that the Warriors were going to pull away. I thought it was very close to pulling away. And again, people rolling in, anybody who didn't think the Kawhi Leonard didn't cost the Spurs the win, you're an idiot. You're crazy. No, I think that probably makes total sense. I think that makes total sense that the Warriors are effectively the adult playing the kid. They are so confident that even in the Western Conference Finals, they didn't, match the intensity early on of the spurs but they felt like they could still come back just like you do when you get down 10-0 to your kid in the backyard and then you score then you're going to 11 and then you score the next eight or nine points and then you have to make the decision whether or not you want to actually win or you want to let him or her win 11-9 11-10 something like that that's like a parental decision on your part do you want to win or do you want somebody else to let them win um it's a uh, it's a fascinating question not an easy answer for any parent out there, but that's what the Warriors are like. You buying it? I bring in Jason Martin, my uh, producer here. J. Martin, you buying into the idea that the Warriors are basically like the adult playing the kids?
4: No, not in this case. I mean, I, I disagree with you entirely. I think I think the Spurs win that game by 10 points if Kawhi Leonard doesn't go down. It I, You know, you can point to other games, but every game is different. If you looked at the trajectory, the way that game played out, he was killing Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was 4 of 11 in 23 minutes with Kawhi Leonard checking him. After Leonard goes out the next 15 minutes, he goes 7 of 10, gets 20 points, and finishes with 34. It's what Kawhi does in terms of enabling guys like Jonathan Simmons not to have to take so much on defensively. I you know I understand your point, and yes, Golden State would have made a run because every good team in the NBA playoffs makes a run in the second half, especially at home, especially when you have guys like that. But this one struck me as one where if Kawhi does not go out with seven, whatever it is, left in the third, where Golden State eventually might even pull their pull their foot off the gas in the fourth quarter to try and preserve themselves because I don't think they were getting back into that game. I really don't. I, The Spurs had him and Kawhi Leonard, being as good as he is on both sides of the ball, had 26 points before he went out, defensively was just a witch, had eight rebounds. I mean, he was tearing it up. I think that – There are situations where you can overvalue stars, but I don't think Kawhi Leonard, especially considering he's the only player that you would put up against the four great players on Golden State's side, I would say. You can't just take him out of the equation and then say, well, the Warriors are probably going to come back and win anyway. Not against Popovich, not against the Spurs, not against Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs in this situation. So we disagree, although I do think that your point about the kid and all that kind of stuff. I think Golden State does play board from time to time, quite frankly. They do come out and they assume that they're going to boat race people, and sometimes that costs them because they get down. It happened against Portland in in round one where McCollum and Lillard went crazy. The difference is the Spurs, a lot more veterans, a lot more guys with playoff experience, guys on that team that already have championship rings, of course. So yeah, we disagree on Kawhi, but the overall point about lackadaisical play early from the Warriors, especially early in playoff series, that they think they're going to win, I don't entirely disagree with that. How
2: many games does this series go? Let's go around the horn. Uh, Jason, over under five games.
4: Man, I thought we were going to go deep when I was watching this thing early. It just felt like the Spurs were going to make this difficult on the Warriors, That is one that had to be a soul-crushing loss for them. Because if they win it, Kawhi Leonard gets six days off because they don't have to play him in game two. And because of the way they're staggering the schedule to try and let the Eastern Conference catch up with them because they're not even in the finals yet, and the Western Conference has already played game one, yeah, that would have been huge for San Antonio. They could have just taken a split, but Kawhi could be healthy. Now Kawhi's got to play because if they go down 2-0, it's over. So I'm tempted to think five. I'd like to think six, but to I just feel like it's a five-game series now. That one really hurts San Antonio to lose. So
2: you're pushing on over-under five? Yes, I'll push, on, I'll push, yes. Danny G and Robert.
5: I'm going to go ahead and take the under on this one. I think that the Kawhi injury is going to be too much for – for San Antonio to overcome. He's getting- so
2: you think the Warriors are going to roll into the NBA Finals at 12-0 in the playoffs?
5: At this point, yes. Without Kawhi, they they, don't, they just can't match up with them.
2: Yeah, I think five is probably the most overall likely outcome. I think the Spurs get one game in San Antonio. I think they lose on Tuesday to go down 2-0. Two, uh, And then I think they come back and try to win. You know, they win one. And then the Warriors, my guess, would be close it out in five. Uh, Any any disagreement in an L.A.? Any disagreement at all? Anybody think this is still going to be a series?
1: I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit and say it's going to go six. Because the Spurs overall as a team are really good at disrupting the Warriors' rhythm. So I I really think they're going to be able to get a couple of wins in this
2: series. So there was a lot of excitement. I, I think about this series in general. Look, I mean, the Spurs are not... Uh, I mean, 62 wins most years would be enough to be the number one overall season. I mean, that's a hell of a season for the Spurs. Uh, then they've come into the playoffs. They win, you know, first series, 4-2. They win by 39, by the way, for all the people who are out there screaming about how impressive and important Kawhi Leonard is. They win by 39 in game six against the Rockets. I feel like the Rockets completely died, uh, you know, on the vine there. And then we didn't even know about this at the time. But, of course, James Harden goes out and parties after that loss, which is just, to me, indefensible, right? I mean, the one thing I think fans ask is, even if it's not true, pretend that you care as much about losing as I do, right? I think the average Houston Rockets fan was more upset over that Game 6 performance than James Harden was. And even if that's not the case, look, I get it. These guys have perspective. James Harden's like, look, I'm making $20 million a year to play basketball. Every now and then, we're going to lose a game. It doesn't mean that my life is awful. We had a pretty decent season overall. We were into the semifinals of the Western Conference. We won a couple of games against the Spurs, and then we had an awful game in game six. All I'm saying is you have an entire offseason to go out and party as much as you want, right? The NBA now, that's your season's over. You got the rest of May, June, July. I mean, months, months and months of going out all of August. Whatever you want to do, you can do if you are James Harden and nobody cares. All you have to do is go home and just hang out at your house. You can have 20 people over to your house if you want. Just don't go on, let TMZ get video of it. Just don't go out to a club. I don't, I don't think fans ask too much. I think the request that they make is act like you care as much as I do. That's the only thing that we ask you to do. They're not asking you to cry yourself to sleep at night not asking you to cry during the postgame press conference, but the average Houston Rocket fan was more upset by the loss in game six and the way that they played. And again, if James Harden had gone out and scored 50 points and they had lost in double overtime, that's different. But you had one of the worst games in your career, and your team lost at home by 39 points to a Kawhi Leonard-less and a Tony Parker-less San Antonio Spurs team, your team was favored by nearly nine points at home, and you blew it and got blown out, and then you hit the club? I just think a lot of people say, man, that's tough for me to reconcile. At least pretend that you care any more than that. But it's fascinating because Kawhi Leonard didn't play in Game 6, and everybody, I didn't say this, I don't think, but a lot of people said, oh, I guess the impact of Kawhi Leonard is minimal. And everybody was talking about how, wow, the Spurs are still really good even without Kawhi Leonard. Then Kawhi Leonard gets hurt, and my entire Twitter feed right now is blown up with people saying, you're an idiot. How in the world could you argue that the Spurs wouldn't have won if Kawhi Leonard hadn't gotten hurt? Well, the answer is because Kawhi Leonard's worth about 2.5 points, according to Vegas, right? And also because, again, on March 30th, we saw the Spurs give up a 22-point home lead at home, and they lost by 12 ended up losing by 12 on March 30th after giving up a 22-point lead. Well, this time they gave up a 25-point lead. Kawhi Leonard was in for the first game. I think the Warriors just bored. Warriors are like the adult playing the kid and they need to get behind early and then they just decide to come back and find a way to win. We'll talk about that in more, but up next I got my buddy Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor. He is on Twitter. But first, let's find out what's trending now. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. It's easy to say 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And... With TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, and on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Joined now by at the Lance Taylor, 945 Jocks down in Birmingham, joins us every week. One of my good buddies, LT. I start off the show today by saying that I think at times the Warriors have are bored. Even with the Spurs, who were a team that was capable of winning 62 games in the regular season, they got down by 22 back on, I believe it was March 30th, and came back to win by double digits. It felt like if this game had gone on for five more minutes, they would have won by double digits in this one as well, even though they got down by 25 yesterday afternoon. Is that a fair idea that they just get a little bit bored? It's like when you're playing, you got kids. When you're playing a game with your kids, You might be down early, and then you're like, you know, if I really needed to win this game, I could. It's kind of how I am when I play chess with my 9-year-old, and he's pretty good. I can take it to a different level if I need to. I feel like the Warriors are the same as a basketball team. Fair or foul idea?
0: No, I think fair. Um, And first and foremost, let me say, I wish they would have played another five minutes because I was an idiot and I backed the Warriors minus 10. Same. Uh, Yeah, just didn't know what really to expect, but I thought that they would come out really crisp. And, you know, they were sluggish in the first half, and the Spurs... On the other side, 62 first-half points. Um, I'll say this, man. Popovich, we saw it in Game 6, what he was able to do, work a miracle against Houston. James Harden was a non-factor for them to be able to win that game on the road without Kawhi Leonard. Um, But you can't blow a 25-point lead with or without Leonard. You you can't do it. An 18-0 run, it's inexcusable. Um, But, yeah, the Warriors – it seemed like they were just kind of going through the motions, but now we're in the Western Conference Finals. I understand them being bored in the first couple of rounds of playoffs and talking about there's nowhere to go in Salt Lake City. This is this is time to step it up because you look in the regular season, and I understand it's the regular season, but the Spurs, you know, got them two one and now two. And if Kawhi Leonard, we'll see what happens with the MRI if he comes back. Man, I mean, I mean, this could be a legitimate series, especially if Lamarcus Aldridge plays like he has in Game Six against Houston, what he did in Game One.
2: See, I just don't think so. I, 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 I understand Like there are five good players on the court at any given time, right? I mean, five best players on the court at any given time. Four of them are with the Warriors, right? I mean, I don't think anybody would dispute it. Marcus Aldridge obviously can be a difference maker. I think Popovich is a great coach. Let me circle back around on this one. Is Should you be nervous at all? I feel like nobody has talked about this. If Bill Belichick suddenly had a heart attack and were not able to coach the Patriots, it would be like the number one story in all of sports, right? As you came down the playoff stretch, like, I can't believe the Patriots are having to do this without Bill Belichick. Same thing would be true, I think, in college football if suddenly Nick Saban had to go off the sideline and they elevated somebody else to coach. NBA, it's not even a story. Like, I don't even hear anybody talking about Mike Brown, and he's going up against, I think the guy that everybody would agree is the best coach in the NBA, and Greg Popovich, and that... Conversational topic has been almost worth zero. Is that just a function that we, I think, as fans and media believe that the NBA is totally a players' league and that the coaches, by and large, really don't matter very much?
0: It's an outstanding point, but it's strange in this regard because we go back to game six when you looked at Houston losing to Greg Topovich and San Antonio Lackawai Leonard, and we talked about an unbelievable coaching job that was for Pop. But you're right right now with Mike Brown. I mean, a guy that, look, has got a ton of experience with the Cavaliers and with the Lakers um, and now getting in the fill-in for, for, for Steve Kerr. Um, but it really doesn't matter who coaches those guys. And go back, would it really matter if Dave Blatt was still the coach for the Cavaliers or or Tyron Lou? It just doesn't matter. I mean, that team's going to make it to the finals. The Warriors are going to make it to the finals with, with Mike Brown or whoever's out there. But Popovich on the other side gets a ton of credit, and he should. So it's really weird. But you're right. I mean, if Belichick or Saban, one of those guys, drops, uh, it's so huge. And, and I think college basketball is the same. I mean, those are the three sports where it matters. I mean, if Joe Girardi isn't managing – uh, the Yankees for a couple of weeks. I don't think anybody cares
2: or notices. You might not yeah. even notice. I mean, I think you or I could manage a major league baseball game. I'm not even kidding about that. I mean, I think. Yeah, and and I think honestly, you or I or anybody out there, <laughs> American League.
0: You know, American League would, would be the easiest when you've got a pinch hitter. When you're, you're doing some double switches in the National League, I mean, you know, there's a little strategy there. But you give me the Yankees, I think I'd be good. But, you know, I think I'd be really good with the Warriors.
2: That's what I'm saying. In the NBA, I don't think it would matter that much. I mean, I think you're, it's, it's more about managing egos and not being a jerk, right, and getting your guys to not want to play hard for you, which may have happened. Who knows what happens, really, in that game six between the Rockets and the Spurs. I'm going to get back to that in a minute. But when I say that, I mean like in baseball and basketball. I think you or I could manage. I think a lot of the people who are out there listening could could be head coaches there as well. If you put us on the sideline for a college football game or an NFL game, and we had a uh, headset on, we'd have no uh, idea what was going on. Yeah, it'd
0: be it'd be a train wreck. It would be a train wreck. You know, I'm 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 good at the PlayStation a little bit. I can call some plays there, but you you put me on the sideline. We, we'd have some major issues.
6: So the ext-
2: about, to the extent, by about- the way, I don't even think we would understand what we no. – I think it would be like a foreign language if you had the headset on for much of the decisions about play calling, whereas I think I could sit in a huddle in an NBA game and say a lot of what we hear is said every single time they have the coaches mic'd up right like we need to box out a little bit better we got to make sure that we don't go in the pump fake for Manu Dishnobli. he's 39 years old if he wants to shoot an outside three let him shoot an outside three don't let him slink his way into the into the lane right like there are lots of things i think i could point out as an nba coach and not be that much different and by the way not trying to be that unkind to mike brown obviously luke walton got the lakers job to a large degree because of all the games that he won when he was the interim coach for Steve Kerr back in the day, right, just a couple of years ago. And I, I think Luke Walton's probably a pretty decent coach too. But I think if you suddenly replaced Mike Brown with an average Warriors fan, that the Warriors would probably not play that much worse on the, during the game.
0: <laughs> I, would agree. I mean, look, I, I know I could at least have gotten them to this point. Now, maybe the Spurs pull off a miraculous upset if I'm on the, uh, the bench right now for the Warriors. But if I ask you this, John Calipari, is he more Mike Brown or Greg Popovich? Because, you know, I, I've, over the years I've become to think that Calipari's a really good coach. But when you think about it, you look at the talent that he amasses, and he gets those guys motivated and gets the right rotation out there. I mean, they're so much better than every other program talent-wise typically.
5: Uh, you know, you
0: just wonder if he's more NBA mode with all of that talent, or is it really good coaching?
2: I think it's NBA mode. I, I think John Calipari has much better players than everybody else. I mean, I think that's what distinguishes him from, let's say, Urban Meyer or Nick Saban. Like, if you told me right now who's the best college coach in America, basketball or football, first of all, Calipari wouldn't be anywhere near the number one guy I would take in basketball. I would probably take... No, uh, Yeah,
0: there's five guys over him.
2: Yeah, easy. I mean, you could run through him, whether it's Izzo, whether it's Greg Marshall, even though Calipari's team beat him this year. Like, I think there are a lot of guys I could point to and say... I feel better about them from an X's and O's perspective and everything else in terms of game planning. Patino, I mean, is much better coach. I think from an X's and O's perspective. But having said that, like if you look at the larger context, it's amazing to me that that's not a bigger story and we're talking about it now. But I bet it's hardly talked about at all. And it's not just that Mike Brown is there replacing Steve Kerr because I don't know how great of a coach Steve Kerr is. It's just in this particular series, I think just about everybody listening to us right now would say if you had to pick an NBA coach, the best coach in the NBA right now, maybe the best coach in the NBA of all time and certainly modern era if you want to bump out Red Arbach back in the day. I mean, it's probably to be fair, right? Popovich. I don't think there's even hardly an argument against him now. Phil Jackson would have been back in the day, but I think what Phil has done with the uh, the Knicks, a lot of people have just started to write off Phil Jackson.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think Popovich. You know, I would say all time. I mean, I, I think you can make that argument. I mean, we're, our box there, Phil Jackson was great, but yeah, I think Popovich is that guy now. How about this scenario? Just just, um, I mean, if we're playing out the inevitable, which we think is going to happen, and we've talked about it for weeks, we're going to see Cavaliers, Warriors for three consecutive years. If Kerr doesn't come back, we might see the two worst head coaches ever in an NBA Finals.
2: Oh, I mean, I, mean, I think... Is, I, I, is, is that I, it, fair
0: with Mike Brown and Tyron Lue? Because typically you do get a really good coach in the NBA Finals.
2: I think what you would have to say at that point in time is LeBron is the coach of the Cavs, and I think you would have to say like there's a multi-team, a multi-headed coach of the Warriors. Because I think it just go back again to the player dynamic, right? I mean, LeBron James is, to me, basically a player-coach of the Cavs. As much, and people may say Ty Lue makes a tremendous difference. I just disagree with that, right? I don't think he's a bad coach or anything, but I think that LeBron James is effectively a player-coach, and I think that the Warriors, if you look at their big four – I think those guys basically manage the decisions about what's going on there. I mean look, Iguodala got kind of into it a little bit. I know he has a decent relationship with Kerr, but where is he gone? Like he played ten minutes in in uh, in the first game. I mean he was the NBA Finals MVP two years ago. He's barely yeah. getting off the bench right now.
0: You know, uh I mean it does show you and back to, you know, players versus coaches, I mean, if Boston does hold serve tonight, makes it a perfect eleven of eleven home teams winning in those games, Wizards, Celtics. You're going to have arguably the two best coaches in the finals, or at least the conference finals, in Popovich and Stevens, but talent's going to outweigh, outweigh both of those guys.
2: And 100% it will. And, and everybody out there listening right now would say, would you go with coaching or talent? You take talent every time. And I think it's different somewhat in college basketball. I think it's certainly different in the uh, in, in, in college football. And I think in the NFL, other than the quarterback position, you take coaching right i mean like is it number one is quarterback i think number two is coaching what do you think is going to happen tonight in that game seven between the celtics and the wizards
0: well you know john wall hitting that go ahead three i mean that's probably the biggest shot we've seen in the postseason not that we've had a a tremendous postseason thus far but the wall go ahead three with 2.7 seconds i mean that was just nails Uh, again we've seen these teams play 10 times this year uh they hate each other uh, the home team's won all 10. You look in this series, every game's been a double-digit win for the home team except game six. Avery Bradley uh, and and Horford stepping up for the Celtics, that's been the difference thus far. Isaiah Thomas is always going to get his. I think um, for the Wizards to get the road win tonight, I think Otto Porter's got to hit some perimeter shots. I mean, zero points in 36 minutes in game six. And Bradley Bill's got to be big. I mean, Wall is going to show up in game seven. I mean, Wall's just gone. Wall, he's just you know arguably the the best maybe best point guard right now in in basketball so i think it'll be a tremendous game i I think it comes down to probably a final possession kind of like game six i think the wizards will play well on the road in game seven but but i've got a feeling the celtics will win this
2: outstanding stuff as always lt go follow lance taylor at the official lt on twitter and uh, we'll talk to you again i'm sure sometime soon
7: sounds good clay see you man
2: I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back in. It's time for the Geico Play of the Day. The Predators and the Anaheim Mighty Ducks went into game two. The Preds got up 2-0. It seemed like it was going to be all she wrote for Anaheim. And then the Ducks came surging back, tied it up. They were tied at three. And then this happened courtesy of the Ducks Radio Network.
4: Up ahead, Richie barges in, shoots, he scores.
1: He was noticed there, huh? A 4-3 lead for Anaheim. He ripped one up high over Rene's shoulder.
2: Pekka Rene finally gives up some goals. We'll see what happens as Anaheim goes on to win 5-3. Game three in that series will be Tuesday in nashville that's your geico play of the day what does it mean when geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15 percent on car insurance it means you probably should have gone to geico 15 minutes ago all right am i crazy on this for believing that i could stand on the sideline for the warriors and win at least three playoff games in this series against greg popovich and the spurs is that an insane idea and i don't think that i'm some sort of basketball savant I think the vast majority of reasonably intelligent people, because we were talking earlier to start the show about Mike Brown stepping in for Steve Kerr. And Steve Kerr continues to have some kind of a relationship with his team as he deals with his injury. But I feel like if anything, the Steve Kerr injury has actually been drastically underplayed because in most sports, if the team with the best the best players and also the best coach, if the coach were out, it would be a massive story. For instance, imagine that the New England Patriots are in the playoffs trying to win a Super Bowl and Bill Belichick is out and unable to coach them. You wouldn't be able to escape that story. Even in college basketball, if Tom Izzo were injured, if Rick Pitino were injured, if Greg Marshall were injured, if John Calipari were injured, and an interim coach was in charge of that team, you wouldn't be able to escape that storyline. Certainly in college football, if Urban Meyer, Debo Sweeney, uh, Nick Saban, Bobby Petrino... Jimbo Fisher, one of the top coaches in college football, if one of those guys were out from coaching for their team, it would be a massive story if they were out for the playoffs. You wouldn't be able to escape it. Everybody would be talking about it. I feel like most people right now aren't even really aware that Steve Kerr's not coaching. It certainly isn't a major story. I don't know if he'll be back for the NBA Finals at all or not, but if it's Mike Brown against Ty Lue, Does that not demonstrate that the NBA is entirely a player's league? I think there are different guys on the Warriors team who have different influence at different times. Draymond Green, obviously a very outspoken guy. But I think the big four for the Warriors kind of dictate what happens on that team from a day-to-day basis. I don't think there's any doubt at all. I don't think any of you out there would doubt that LeBron James is effectively a player coach. In other words, if we went back to David Blatt, do you really think that the that the Cavs don't have the same kind of success that they had with Ty Lue? Now, maybe it's because Blatt didn't get along with his players, but that's a different thing entirely. Most of basketball, it seems to me, in the NBA is about getting along with your players, not about actually doing things to make it more likely for them to win. And maybe the playoffs is the wrong time to ask this question, but we saw, obviously, with Luke Walton, when he stepped in the last time Steve Kerr was hurt, the Warriors didn't miss a beat. They continued to dominate. That's honestly what helped Luke Walton get the Lakers' head coaching job. How many games this year would I have won if I had coached the Warriors? In football, you know, you could take me away in the NFL, for instance, and I think the team totally falls apart. But I think I'm a pretty easy guy to get along with. I don't think I'd be awful to travel with. Now, maybe the players wouldn't respect me, but does it really matter? How many games do you think I would have won if I had coached 82 games in the regular season for the Warriors? I think I would have won 64 games. I think the difference between me and Steve Kerr slash Mike Brown is three games over the course of the season. Is that a ridiculous idea? We'll go around the horn. Jason Martin, take me as a stand-in for a regular guy out there. A lot of people listening to this show right now, too assume that I'd be able to get along with the players, considering I've pretty much gotten along with everybody ever, everywhere I've worked, that I would recognize that I'm not a genius, that I would defer to the players, that I would show up, be an easygoing coach. How many games am I actually worth versus Mike Brown slash Steve Kerr? What's the difference between an average guy like me and those guys when it comes to coaching an NBA basketball game?
4: I mean, one thing I think it's really different between trying to coach the Warriors and coach 28 other teams in the NBA. I think there are teams that can sort of run on autopilot to some extent, Golden State being one, Cleveland being one. But you look at – I don't think a lot of the guys that play for Popovich would be anywhere near as good without him in practice. I think a lot of of this comes down to practice. If you're just coaching the games and there is somebody running sets and going through everything that they go through in practice – then yeah, I think you could probably win 50 games, but oh, easily 50. Get out of here with 50. But we'll you're not you're go. saying 3 3 games difference. I think you're patently insane. Like no. I think you're vastly undercutting the importance of coaching. On the side on I'm talking nothing.
2: about on the sideline during games. Open phone lines on the sideline during games. How much impact does a coach actually have in the NBA regular season? 877 Nine nine six six three six nine. That's an, a ridiculous argument. Seventeen games?
4: Are you kidding? No, me? I said you would win fifty. I'm right. not That's saying 17. you would win that. They won sixty seven. So you're not saying I lose seventeen I'll games? That's crazy. You're insane.
2: Eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. It's Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio studios. Brought to you by Geico. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. I could coach the Warriors and do this radio show and run a website and do my Periscope and Facebook show and dominate sports media all at the same time. And I don't think I would hardly even miss a, a, a step. Duracell batteries proven tough, designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions with patented technology to deliver the most power during startup, get in the zone, auto zone. I think the most fascinating story about the Warriors and the Spurs series is that, again, we have the best coach in the NBA, I think, without dispute. I think there are very few people listening to us right now across the entire country, all 50 states. You can call in and weigh in on this debate in a moment when I give you the phone number. But I think there are very few of you that would disagree that Greg Popovich is the best coach in the NBA. That is, if you had to pick a coach to coach one game, and let's say that your life was determined based on the outcome, in the NBA. Hopefully they wouldn't be in Miami. Hopefully they wouldn't be in LA. Hopefully the team wouldn't be out the night before. Which coach would you pick right now? I think almost all of you would say, I want Greg Popovich coaching my team. So we have the unquestioned best coach in the NBA, by and large, in Greg Popovich, going up against Mike Brown, who I think a lot of people would acknowledge not that great of an NBA coach. Indisputably, Mike Brown has the best talent indisputably, Mike Brown has won game one. My question for you guys is this. I am the average NBA fan. I represent him, right? If you put me on the sideline for the coach, coaching the games themselves, how much difference would I make over the course of an 82-game NBA season? What we're trying to classify here and quantify in some way is what's an NBA coach worth on the sideline during a game? Because I don't think there's any doubt out there among all of you that Bill Belichick made a pretty substantial difference on the sideline for the New England Patriots when they were down 28-3 to in the Super Bowl. If Bill Belichick suddenly wasn't able to coach an, NBA, an NFL game, major NFL game, it would be the number one story just about in the entire NFL. Especially, if you want to flip it, if you had an interim head coach going up against Bill Belichick. Same thing, college basketball, same thing, college football, same thing in the NFL. I think we would acknowledge that coaching matters a great deal during the game on the sideline in college football in the NFL and in college basketball where the players are young. You don't necessarily know what plays you're going to run. They're looking to the sideline quite a bit to get some form of instruction. I don't know enough about hockey to have any clue what the overall impact of a hockey coach is during a game. I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea. I see him standing over there in the suits in the, in the little uh, sections of a hockey, uh, a hockey bench. No idea what impact they have. I'm going to be honest with you. Major League Baseball, I think I could manage a Major League Baseball game. I really do. I think if you put me in a uniform and you put me in a dugout and you gave me a little bit of prep work, I think I could manage a Major League Baseball game. And I don't think you guys would notice if I were making crazy decisions because I wouldn't make crazy decisions. Pitcher gets tired. Pitching coach thinks we need to get a pitcher up. You know, like... Do we do a a switch hit? I mean, uh, you know, especially in the American League where you don't even have to worry about bringing in pinch hitters and things like that. It would be relatively easy, I think, to manage a baseball game. But I don't think that's complicated. I think most of you out there would be like, yeah, I could manage a baseball game. It's not that complicated. I'm coaching six-year-old baseball. The decisions that you make in Little League Baseball as a coach aren't that much different than the decisions that you would make in Major League Baseball. Players are a lot better, obviously. But the overall decisions aren't that much different. I think that NBA coach is, during a game, one of the least valuable positions in all of pro sports. I don't think they matter very much. I think if I had coached 82 games on the sideline this year for the Warriors, I think that I would have won 64 games. I think I would be worth three games losing over the course of the entire NBA regular season. In other words, the players basically coach themselves. So many NBA games, I would have the best talent in every game. I would rest my players as as we saw fit. I would take direction from Steve Kerr, who's injured right now. And just in terms of being on the sideline for a game, I think my basic goal would be manage minutes, right? Like, we're going to try to play rough minutes. I think I could do that pretty easily. It's all the assistant coaches, everything else. I think I could design plays in the context of most of the NBA is just about philosophy. Am I insane? 8779966369. Jason Martin, you think I'm insane?
4: You are just this is Is this the you most ridiculous on
2: Is this the most ridiculous argument you think I have made in the history of the show?
4: No. You've, <laughs> you've had some humdingers through through the last 8 months, but this but... one you
2: think is Okay, so let you think this is ridiculous. Does anybody support me? Let's go to LA. Danny G and Robert, do either one of you believe that I could win sixty four games having coached the Warriors for eighty two games this year.
5: Absolutely not.
2: How many Woo-hoo! would I win? You,
5: uh, I think Jason was right on about fifty. Fit. There's no way. There's told you. The, that is that well, is the most Clay, absurd argument way. you
2: guys have made. Well,
5: Seventeen <laughs> games. Clay. When when Mark Jackson coached the Warriors, they won fifty one games. They fire him, bring in Steve Kerr, they win sixty seven. So that's plus sixteen. So we'll say. You can't possibly be better than Mark Jackson as a head coach.
2: But what changed there? The players got a lot better. He changed the philosophy of how they were Yeah, he changed
5: the way they play. Yeah, he changed the
2: way they played. So assume that I'm not changing the way that Steve Kerr is going to play, that I'm not changing practice. Again, I understand the jump between, let's say, Mark Jackson and to Steve Kerr. I'm saying that I am filling in for Steve Kerr, just like Luke Walton did, just like Mike Brown did, and that – Otherwise, the practices are being run as Steve Kerr would ordinarily run them. The assistant coaches are running practice as they typically do. I'm there kind of overseeing it. I just I don't think it would be that complicated. I think the idea that I would lose more than three or four games is absurd because ultimately I think the NBA is a player driven league and the NBA coaching, by and large on the sideline is not that important during games. So, I agree
4: I agree that college college is about the coaches and the NBA is about the players. That I 100% agree with. You look at Coach K and you look at Tom Izzo and you look at the best coaches in college basketball, their teams win consistently a lot of times because of the coaching, a lot more so than in the NBA. But what would you do, Clay, in a tight game? Like, what would you do in timeouts? You can't point to what you see on TV because when there's a camera in their face, they're never going to say anything. They're not going to run down their offensive sets. But what do you do in a close game? What do you do to inspire the team? What do you do on the sidelines? But you also made the caveat... That you're just replacing Steve Kerr, who already put the system in place, so you're really not doing a whole hell of a lot.
2: That, I don't think any. What do you think Mike Brown is doing?
4: That's I don't my know, point. No, but like, I think it's ridiculous that you think you and Mike Brown are pretty much the same. No, like, that's I think insane.
2: that I think that me and the average NBA NBA fan would not do much different in terms of the the number of wins that the Warriors would have produced. I'm not focusing exclusively on Mike Brown because last year or the year before, when Luke Walton came in, they won, what, 73 games? They went 73-9, and nine, am I right about that? Set an all-time record? And Luke Walton got the Lakers job, and the, the, the drop-off was almost non-existent. Like, I think that if you assume that I'm a fairly intelligent guy, right, that I was capable of and would be capable right now of showing up at the United States Supreme Court and arguing well, either direction, any Supreme Court case, if I studied for it, right, I'm pretty pretty convinced that I could study the Warrior offensive sets enough to be able to analyze during the game what was working well, looking at the data, everything else, and be able to diagram a couple of plays. not like you're inventing a brand-new play, right? There aren't that many plays to run in basketball. I'm pretty confident that I could sit there and say, and by the way, let's ISO for Steph here. (laughs) Let's get Kevin Durant one-on-one at the top of the key, and get a batch up that favors us. We know what the five players are going to be in for the Spurs. We know the five players in for us. Which of these plays do we think is the highest percentage of us being able to score? I I just don't think it's that complicated. Like, whether or not they make shots, like, I don't know. But I I think this is – I think that the NBA sideline coach – is the least valuable. Again, I'm taking hockey out of the equation because I legitimately have no idea about hockey. I know nothing about what they do. If I were standing on the sideline for a hockey game, that would be maybe the best test because I literally know nothing about hockey, right? I could be standing in there and and be like, oh, man, I mean, I, I have no idea what a bench coach does in hockey. So I'm taking that out of the equation. Everywhere else, I think I could also, look, I think I could also do this in Major League Baseball. I think I could show up and manage in a Major League Baseball game, and you guys would not know that I was there. I think if I put a headset on for an NFL game or a college football game, I wouldn't even know what they were talking. It would be like me trying to coach a, uh, a team in, in, in Israeli, like, uh, I, I don't know, like whatever Play. is pop- popular how many, is, how like, many, in uh, a different language.
4: How many times have you seen the Warriors run ISO? in the past few years.
2: Everything that the Warriors do is about the philosophy of their offensive sets. Yeah, like, but it's I don't not I think ISO. they even Right but I but I don't think they even run like a set play ever. Really? Yeah. I what think is, they what come is down, the Warriors like, offense predicated they have, on? They I, have, I know the answer. The the Warriors offense is predicated on ball movement. All right I think well, they you got come, that right. I think they come down And they basically run a, like, my theory in general about basketball, right? You have set, like, plays that you run within the philosophy of your offense, and you do them over and over and over again until they are basically flawless, right? And they're all designed to get good shots. I mean, basketball, I always like to break down sports in terms of what they're basically designed to do, right? Basketball is ultimately a game of what? It's a game of shots, right? Right. And a lot of people think, oh, this is not going to make sense, but w- wait for me here. Basketball is a game of shots. By and large, what is the goal of basketball? It is to take as many good shots as your team can take, and it is to force your opponents to take as many tough shots as you can force them to take, right? I mean, that's basketball, its most basic essence. And the more good shots you take and the more bad shots you force, on average, the more games you're going to win. That's basketball at its most basic level, right? Football. What's football? Football is a game of space, right? When you really watch football, and you got to be up top to really think about football, football is about creating space, right? In game of offense, you try to create space. If you create space, you win. In the game of defense, you try to take it away. If you eliminate space, you win, right? So ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, football is a game of space. Basketball is a game of shots. Like Just kind of, in essence, try to figure out what's going on here, right? I don't think it's that complicated. Once the offensive sets are installed, Kevin Durant is smart. Draymond Green is smart. Steph Curry is smart. Klay Thompson, they know what they're doing. You've got four of the top 10 players in the NBA. I think that the average NBA sideline coach over the course of an 82-game season, once the the game plan is implemented, is worth about three or four games on the sideline. Now, deciding what philosophy you're going to implement and getting along with your players I think is more important and getting along with your players is probably more important than anything. I think ultimately that's what you're in the business of. You're in the business of managing egos. That's what Phil Jackson was great at. Triangle offense, all right. Tex winner, it's genius, whatever. I think ultimately what Phil Jackson did was he got Shaquille O'Neal to buy in. He got Kobe Bryant to buy in. He got Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen to buy in. He was good enough at relationships that he could get big-time star athletes. Remember, before Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan had a reputation as a coach killer. There were a lot of people out there who questioned whether Michael Jordan could subsume his talents and play for somebody. We're going to open up the phone lines. Is this the most ludicrous argument I've ever made? Maybe. But I think it's a pretty good one. I don't think the NBA sideline coach matters very much, and I'm probably the only guy who's going to be talking about Mike Brown on the sideline today. 877-996-6369. How many games would I win if I coached the Warriors just on the sideline for 82 games this year? 877-996-6369. I think I would win 64. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Clay Travis here. Would have been NBA Coach of the Year if I was on the sideline with the Warriors live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. A bunch of people blew me up on Twitter. What would some of your my uh, errors here
4: adjustments be before you even go any further how what would your halftime adjustments be
2: I'd have to see the game to know how I was going to adjust
4: how uh, give me an example of an adjustment you would make based on something that happened in a game you're a smart guy what I would, would
2: uh, I would put, I would consider adjusting the minutes that I had the best players on the court I'd go That's in it. with a philosophy of Steph Curry's going to play whatever it is 36 minutes a game and if we were having a rough first half I would look at the minutes that they had played their guys in the first half, and I would consider readjusting the number and quality of my substitutions. Basketball is a simple game; well, get the best it. players get on the court for wins. the most minutes. Oh no, no! I would. Everybody's agreeing with me on Twitter, by the way. You the guys are, are being—you guys are haters. You guys are haters, but everybody rolling in on Twitter right now. and You can put your number in. I just tweeted it out. You can find me at Clay Travis. I just tweeted it out. How many games would I win if I were the sideline coach for the Golden State Warriors this year? Most of you right now are agreeing that I would have won 60 or more. So, I mean, I appreciate all the brains that Twitter is showing, even if the people in the studio audience are not showing very much brains. And by the way, one bit of correction. I understand, according to Twitter responses, that the Anaheim Mighty Ducks aren't a thing anymore. They're just the Ducks. Is that true?
4: Yes, that is true.
2: How long have they not been the Mighty Ducks?
4: It's been a few years, hadn't it, guys out in LA? You guys would know better than us, but uh, I'm been been sure over it's been a, a few years. Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a decade. That was just a Disney thing. Like they kinda got does, away from the Disney thing. Does Disney not, does Disney not own
2: the team does Disney not own the team anymore? No, they haven't owned them in a long time. Who did they sell them to? Yeah, I'll check on that for you. I thought Disney still owned the team. So they they took away the Mighty from the Ducks uh name? I didn't know that. Nobody knew that. People acting like, "Oh, Nobody. you should know, you should know what the Anaheim." The, I th- I still thought they were the Mighty Ducks. Most everybody out there listening right now thought they were still the Mighty Ducks too. They should still be the Mighty Ducks. I don't. Why would you just take away the word "mighty"? It doesn't make any sense. Once you've gone mighty, now you're just the puny ducks. I, I don't, don't know, know because
4: it it's a kids because it's a kids movie, and there's no reason to continue to call yourself the Mighty Ducks because no one else. It's not like they they call themselves the Mighty Titans or the Mighty Patriots or the stunning right. Chiefs. I'm saying that you once you made the
2: decision to go Mighty Ducks, you can't just take away the Mighty. Evidently, this is uh, they Disney sold the team back in 2005. Oh, whatever. Uh, David in Oregon. What's up, David? How many games would I win? Play, I
8: don't think you'd win 40 games. Uh, you th- play, hold on a second. Uh, I think you're you think I'm so bad. You, you think that
2: I'm so bad. Hold on. You think that I am so bad as a sideline coach that Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant on my team, we would lose over half the games we played in.
8: Absolutely, Clay, because they pay coaches millions of dollars a year. Uh, to, to timing is everything. You've got to understand what the other team is doing. The preparation. Um, a lot of teams are really good out there. There's a lot of close teams out there. You know, you look at Cleveland in the East. You
2: look at the Clippers, Hang up on this guy. Look... He's making a bad argument. Bad... You can't call in and say that my team, which would feature four of the ten best players in the NBA, would lose over half the games they played. That's an insult to Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green more than it's an insult to me. Because what you're basically saying then is those guys are not capable of winning more than half of their NBA games entirely based on who their coach is. And don't get me with they, they pay millions of dollars for this. People get paid millions of dollars for lots of things that aren't necessarily that hard. For instance, Judge Judy makes over $50 million a year. Okay? Over $50 million. Does anybody out there listening right now not think that I could do Judge Judy's job? I'm a lawyer. I talk for three hours every day. Five days a week, more than that, if you count the Periscope and the Facebook shows. Do you have? Do you believe that I could do that, Jason Martin, or you think that I'd suck at that too?
4: Of course, I think you could do that. You actually have a background in that, like that. That plays a little bit differently. But but but
2: back, basketball is not complicated. People are like, oh, basketball. Basketball yes, is not is. complicated. If I look honestly, if I sat down and just exclusively studied basketball for one year, I would know everything there is to know about basketball.
4: And right? I might not be, make the right be decision. Jackson.
2: No, but I would know everything that would still come into whether I could be a good like psychologist, whether I'd be good at dealing with my team and everything else. But I'm saying I would know every single permutation of basketball there is to know if I studied it exclusively for a year. You would agree with me that practicing law is more complicated than coaching basketball, right? There are more external factors that are complex about being a lawyer or a doctor, let's say, than there are about being a basketball coach. Like the intellect that's required to coach basketball is lower than the intellect that's required to operate on someone in a a surgery, right? It's more difficult. There are tons of doctors driving to work this morning right now, right now as we speak, that have a much more difficult job than coaching basketball. There are tons of lawyers listening to us as we speak that are going to make really complicated arguments and are going to have to study like six different directions of the law in their average day than just coaching basketball. Like the idea that this is complex is what's crazy to me. Craig and Canton. Craig, what's up?
6: Good morning, Clay. Now, uh, don't hang up on me because I got a good follow-up question for you. But you're throwing some qualifiers in here because now you're talking about in-game only. That's what I said from the start. All right, okay, okay. So in-game only, I think the Warriors, you're probably a five- to six-game difference. The Cavs, a five- or six-game difference just because the talent level is so high for the regular season. The other teams, probably 50%, because... I don't think you know much about defensive schemes, how to guard the pick and roll. The offense would be easy. But right here, Clay, this is your you've got a clay IQ when it comes to football, a clay travis IQ on football, but your NBA IQ is at tack level. It really is Clay.
2: I don't think I have a tack high level, level IQ for anything other than well, life.
6: Now, uh all right, now let me get my call. Right, what's question your question? So how many? Pe- what about if you were just the coach at halftime for the Falcons? How many people you think could have won that? I would have game?
2: won the Super Bowl. I would have won the really? Super Bowl, one hundred percent. And I'll hang, hang up. I would. I would have one hundred percent won the Super Bowl. I will say that because if I had been, and, and again, I and remember, I'm saying that if I had the headset on, I would not even be able to understand what was going on in general conversation. But once we were in that situation, I would have been like third and one. We're going to run the football here. All right. We're going to allow the clock. If you remember in the fourth quarter in that game, I would have not been, to, I would have totally allowed my guys on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball to call their game plan, right? Offensive and defensive coordinators, I let them do their jobs. But once the strategy of the game is in place and once we're in winning time, I would have been like, there's no way possible that I'm letting Kyle Shanahan throw the ball there on third and one on the play where he gets sacked. I mean, in real time, you run the ball on third and one there. Once we were in the position where we had to start throwing the ball again and we had hit that pass to Julio Jones, and all we had to do was run the ball and then rely on our kicker, Matt Bryant, who barely missed a single field goal from inside of 40 yards in his entire season, then I would allow him to kick the field goal and I would have won that game. I would have won the Super Bowl. Again, I would not have overthought it. I'm pretty good about analyzing percentages and figuring out smart strategic plays there's no doubt that i would have won the super bowl terrence and augusta georgia what's up terrence
8: hey, how you doing man love the show i appreciate you guys uh help me get to work every morning um oh, if you give me just a little bit a little bit of leash i'm going to kind of arrive at my number at w, because i have two points of agreement with you uh number one you're a smart guy so i think analytics would give you something of an advantage over the average basketball fan, basketball watcher. So with the analytics in hand, the research being done, I think you could figure some things out. I think you could do do, do your thing on the sidelines, so to speak, because it is, as you said, a player-driven lead. But my point of disagreement is this. Uh, There's so much that goes into it that is a feel thing. It's an experience thing. I mean, pop has been on the bench a long time. You know, Kurt played the game a long time. So I think they're the in-game adjustments, the field-type stuff is where I think you'd be at a disadvantage to a coach, even a young coach who have been sitting on the sideline as an assistant, coming up through the ranks, you know, over the years. The best analogy I've ever heard is this. While you may have a big, broad brush that you can do some great things with, that's Clay Travis, I think the value of the sideline coaches in the fine brush, the detailed things that we don't see. They make it look easy. Uh, the space shuttle takes off. It looks like it's going straight. Uh, but I'm told there these gyro gimbals in the nose. It makes a hundred, thousand, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of adjustments per second that make it look like it's going straight. When in the absence of that, it would go off course. I so, how many games do I win? Forty-one
2: with Golden State. I give you forty-one. You think <laughs> I would? I would lose twenty-six more games than they did this year. It's a field
8: thing. Yeah, that's. I think so. Now, that's Golden State. I don't think you get that high with the team, better than Golden State of the Cavs with the elite players that you're talking about.
2: Good stuff. Thanks for the call. I think that's insane. 26-game difference between me and the other guys who have coached Golden State this year in the regular season. I think that's absurd. Open phone lines, 877-996-6369. Also, you're not going to believe what ESPN did over the weekend. I've got audio for you. This is Outkick the Coverage, and we got to find out what's trending now. Welcome back, Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by Geico. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800 947 Auto. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And, and, and with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Those of you waking up right now, I'm talking about the Warrior Spurs series. And uh, first of all, I hope your Monday is going spectacularly well. And how could it not be since you're getting to hear my voice? Is there a better way to start off your morning? Of course not. Unless you're my wife, of course you would disagree with that. But I'm telling you right now that to me, the most amazing thing about the Warrior Spurs series is that nobody's talking about Mike Brown coaching as a stand-in for Steve Kerr. And the Warriors came back and beat the Spurs from a 25-point deficit Mike Brown's team, and I think it's fair to say Mike Brown, not a great NBA coach, came back from 25 points down against Greg Popovich, universally renowned as the best coach in the NBA, maybe the best coach in the history of the NBA. And they came surging back from all the way down from 25 points down. This is the second time that the Warriors have come back from 20-plus points. They did it on March 30th on the road against San Antonio. They now have done it from 22 and 25 points twice in the last six weeks. My position here straightforwardly is that I believe if I were the sideline coach for the Golden State Warriors, that is, the head coach on the sideline, that we would, in the regular season, when they won 67 games, that we would have won, what did I say, 63 or 62, something like that, that I would be worth losing about four or five more games than the average than the team actually did. Some of you think that's an absurd argument, such as Jason Martin. Some of you are even more crazy than Jason Martin. You've called in and said that the team would finish with a losing record if I were their sideline coach, which I think is just a total indictment of Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson. Those guys are going to win a ton of games no matter who their head coach is now that we have the offensive philosophy philosophically philosophy of Steve Kerr implemented all right Uh, let's go to uh, William in Virginia William what do you think
9: how you doing Clay I just wanted to point out that I think you probably wouldn't have lost more than three games than what they originally did this season I mean the team is too stacked to really just blow that up because of a bad call here and there however if you started if he started with You know, like an expansion team where you're starting from scratch, I think you'd run into trouble. But given what your job is, given what you do day to day, I think watching videos of other teams, developing your own plays, you could probably figure it out within the first few months. College, it's more important to have a good coach because you're dealing with a new set of players really every two years, not even every four. In the NBA, you got the same squad that tries to stick together. I mean, you look at LeBron. He didn't just change teams. He brought players with him to the team. I mean, it's, the coach has a lot of relevance in certain aspects and certain teams, but once a, a system's developed, as long as you can go in and rely on your assistant coaches and
2: the plays that are intact, you could do the job. Thanks for the call. Would you be more likely to watch the NBA regular season if regular people got to coach games during the regular season? I would be. I would be all in for that. I would be all in if they just brought people out of the crowd and let them coach games. Let's go to Hunter in Georgia. I've also thought for a while. I've thought for a while about this, hey, too, by the point? way. Hold on. Uh, hold on, Hunter. I got my philosophy in here. I have said for a long time that I think it would be incredible for extra points in the NFL if they made average fans come out and try to kick extra points for NFL teams. I think that would be extraordinary. Like if they just called out your number in the stands, no matter who it is, you know, you could be. Uh, a 75 year old man, it could be a 14 year old girl, whatever it is, you have to run out. There's nobody lined up at all to try to block the kick. It's like the halftime contest. You ever watch the halftime contest where they put the uh, the the like the tee down on the ground and then they put the football there? I think it would be incredible to watch if fans had to kick every extra point and you just randomly you didn't know who you were going to get. Of course, the Patriots would cheat, and they'd end up getting a professional hockey, a professional soccer player every time in, uh, when they played games in Foxborough. But for average teams, you just have a regular dude, and he comes down and he has to kick in whatever outfit he's got on. And if you're not going to do that, I think every extra point should have to be attempted by offensive or defensive alignment. That's it. Only guys who can kick extra points on your team, offensive or defensive alignment. All right, let's go back to Hunter in Georgia. All right, I'll ask you my
4: question in a minute. Here's Hunter.
6: I think these guys are absolutely insane because the NBA is a league where one guy can make you a 40-win team, and the Warriors have three of those plus Draymond Green. So, in my opinion, I don't think it'd be any different than the result they had this year if you or I or anybody was the coach because they've got three Hall of Fame players and possibly four in Draymond Green, and you could have a freaking dog on the sideline, and they're smart enough to figure out how to get good shots and how to
2: stop people on defense. Amen. Thank you for the call, Hunter. I think, frankly, if you use social media as a gauge, you shouldn't. Despite the hate that I'm receiving from Danny G, Robert, and Jason Martin, most people are on my side here.
4: You know what the biggest difference between Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr was? That Steve Kerr taught him how to play defense. These are guys that didn't play much defense that he's gotten them to commit to actually caring about the defensive side of the ball and making them one of the best defensive teams in the league. But here's here's the question I wanted to ask you a little while ago. If it's so easy to be an NBA coach, why are there so many terrible ones? And that's been that way since the very, very beginning.
2: Frankly there's lots of really bad teams. I mean I think the NBA is so slanted towards I, I think the I think coaching matters very little in the NBA. By and large, I think it's the quality of the overall player. I think LeBron James is a perfect example. LeBron James a player coach, right? There's no difference in my mind between David Blatt and Ty Lu, other than LeBron may or may not have been able to get along with Ty Lue better than he does Blatt. Like, right, in terms of the individual game management, I don't think that there's a scintilla of difference between Blatt and Lue, which is why I'm saying so much of being an NBA sideline coach is just getting guys to buy in, right? Getting guys to be able to handle handle their egos. I think that's really what Phil Jackson was good at. I mean, he had the, the nickname the Zen Master. People have totally forgotten that Michael Jordan was unmanageable. At least that was his reputation, that he wouldn't submit to a coach, that he thought he was smarter than all the coaches. And then Phil Jackson came in, and somehow it worked, right? And I'm not saying it's easy. I think being an NBA coach is a lot like having 12 marriages going on at once or 15 marriages going on at once right? Because really, it's more about relationships than it is X's and O's. So you're trying to maintain decent relationships with 15 different guys when you are in a position of having something that they all want, which is playing time. And obviously, everybody on that roster 1 to 15 wants to win, and you are marshalling somehow this playing time and trying to allocate it in an efficient and fair manner. And also, you're trying to manage the egos of these guys and keep them competitive enough that they want to play while at the same time, it's a little bit like being a guy who's trying to get a a jockey or a a horse owner trying to get them ready for the Triple Crown, right? You got to run them just the right amount, right? You don't want to play them too many minutes. And honestly, that's probably what happened, frankly, last year with the Warriors. They got caught up in going for that 73-win record. And if they had won 65 games instead, they'd probably be the two-time defending champs right now. Instead, they set the record for 73 wins, but they may well have tired themselves out. All right. Going to go to your calls, 877-996-6369. Final segment of Hour 2. Got some audio I'm going to play for you from ESPN in Hour 3 that you're not going to believe. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. I'm driving everybody crazy here because they think my confidence has finally gotten the better of me. How many games would I win if I were coaching the Warriors for 82 games on the sideline? Great news. Quick way you could save money, switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on insurance, on car insurance. Uh, everybody's focused on the comeback, 25 points down, Warriors come storming back to take the lead. My position on this is pretty straightforward. To me, the most fascinating aspect of the Warriors Cavs, uh, sorry, the Warriors Cavs series we're eventually going to have, but right now we have the Warriors Spurs series is Mike Brown going up against Greg Popovich. We have the unquestioned basically best coach in the NBA right now, one of the greatest coaches in the NBA in the history of the league in Greg Popovich. And going up against him, we have Mike Brown, who failed with Cleveland. LeBron James forced him out, couldn't get along with the Cavs, didn't do very well with the Lakers, and now he's taken over the Golden State Warriors, and they have won nine straight playoff games. What's the record, by the way, for most consecutive playoff wins? Do we know that? Uh, What's the record for the most games consecutively won? Have we had a team ever sweep into the finals before? Has somebody started off 12-0 and 0 in the NBA before? Let's do some research the on that. Lakers you know, did in that. The yeah. Lakers did in they 2001. The Lakers
5: did in 2001. They started out 11-0, uh, I believe. And 11, they lost so they, game one, and then and they won four straight after that.
2: Okay, so they didn't play the seven-game series yet, no, they though, have five in games the first series. round. Okay, yeah. so they won 3-0, 4-0, 4-0, and then they lost the first game the first series yeah too. that was
1: that game where Allen
2: iverson okay. went ham remember 100 i remember that so they won that series in five games so they won it that year 15 and 1 yes 15 and 1 is the greatest record in the history of the nba playoffs okay so in theory uh if the warriors or the Cavs managed to go 12 and 0 to reach the nba finals that would in theory be the most consecutive wins in the history of the nba playoffs I don't know if that's 100% true. It might be back in the 50s or something. I, I don't I don't know, but that, that's an interesting question in and of itself. The point stands, Mike Brown has started off now 9-0. and We know at least that in one the Lakers started off 11-0, and and that was Phil Jackson coached the Lakers. Phil Jackson, prior to his decision to join the Knicks, which, by the way, most destructive thing to Phil Jackson's legacy, if he doesn't ever go to New York and take over the Knicks, is he considered the greatest NBA coach of all time? Certainly of the modern era, if you don't count Red Arback. I mean, how what percentage has his legacy decreased by taking that Knicks job and ending up, even though he's not head coach, the disaster that is the Knicks I feel like has tainted him to a great extent. The Carmelo, Anthony drama, everything else. The Zen Master, with all of his titles, whatever they are, he's got, what, 10 titles? 11 titles? Whatever the number of titles that he has right now is. It's obviously a ton and otherwise he would be the guy that everybody pointed to and said maybe he's the best coach of all time I feel like he's diminished his legacy by at least half with the recent history with the Knicks now maybe that'll end up fading whenever he retires and we'll end up thinking more about the six titles with the Bulls the what did he win with Kobe four titles with Kobe or was he there for all five did he win 11 total or 10 so he's got 11 rings He's got eleven rings, not counting his his coaching career before the Bulls and the I mean before the Bulls and the Lakers. So how much of that's going to taint him, I don't know. But my argument again is that I would be able to be somewhat competitive on the sideline that it wouldn't change the Warriors outcomes that much. Who do we go to first, Jason Martin?
4: Let's go to Brian in North Carolina.
2: Brian in North Carolina, what's up? Hey, uh, good morning, Claude. Hey, I love it. I don't
10: turn into weird, but I hate you for even commentary out there as a basketball coach because you got people thinking that it's easy to be a basketball coach. Um, I've been a coach on the high school level, even did middle school coaching. Now, I've never done college, but I've talked a lot to college coaches. I think what you're missing here is what you see on the game days is done because of all the preparation that's done in practices. Practices on every other level except the NBA, you practice more than you play. So in the NBA, I feel like during the regular season, you want to see a good coach watch what they do coming out of timeouts, watch what they do in the fourth quarter. In a playoff series, it's the adjustments from one game to the next because you got a game uh, seven. But I think. What are you going to do in a practice, Clay? How, how are you going to prepare your team My assistants are running the practices. Offense. Okay, but look, what are you going to have your offense to do? You have to select the, set the philosophy of what your assistants we're running are going the to exact,
2: do. So we're doing the exact same thing. That's what I'm saying. I appreciate the call. I'm running Steve Kerr's offense. I'm doing the exact same thing that Steve Kerr is already doing, which is exactly what Mike Brown's doing. Yeah, but it's Mike not like Brown Mike, Mike Brown there, or Luke Walton came in and said, We're going to design a system brand new as the interim coach. They're doing the exact same thing that was already in place. How long has Mike Brown been with the Warriors?
4: I'm not exactly sure of that, actually. I think it's just this, yeah, one year. So he
2: completely did what I'm doing. He came into an existing system. He came into an incredible, talented team. And he's doing the exact same thing that I would be doing. So why hire
4: Mike Brown then?
2: Why hire Mike Brown?
4: Yeah, why Why even bring him in? Like, if he's that bad, then why not just pay, probably, you know, some yokel and jorts to come out there and Probably him because
2: you? we got a bunch of calls, by the way. I don't want to get to them. 877-996-6369. I think probably because Steve Kerr likes him. I mean, I would imagine that the reason why every assistant on the Golden State Warriors staff has a job is because Steve Kerr likes them and I think probably gets along well with them. Given the fact that you're on the road as much as you are in the NBA – I would think liking the staff that you work on is probably a big part of why Steve Kerr hires the guys that he does. I think he probably respects Mike Brown, but if Mike Brown's come in just in the last year to run the exact same system that Steve Kerr's already implemented, I don't know why it would really matter on a day-to-day basis what I would be doing on the sideline. I think I'd win three or four games less over an 82-game season. This is Outkick the Coverage. Clay Travis, I'd be an NBA Hall of Fame coach if I had the Warriors this year on Outkick the Coverage. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Appreciate you joining us here on your Monday morning as you get on your way to work. Hopefully, you'll do as good of a job at your job as I would do if I were the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, which my argument is. Duracell batteries proven tough, designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions with patented technology to deliver the most power during startup, get in the zone. AutoZone. My argument is that I would be in the zone. That I would not win many less games as the head coach on the sideline for the Golden State Warriors than they won in the regular season. They won 67. I will say that I would win around 62 or 63. That the difference would be four or five games for me over the course of the season as the sideline coach for the Golden State Warriors. That, to me, is the most interesting aspect of this Warriors Spurs series. Not the 25-point comeback, but the 25-point comeback against the best coach in the NBA by Mike Brown, a guy who is not the best coach in the NBA, a guy who has not had very much success in terms of postseason anywhere else when it comes to winning games that really matter. He's now 9-0, and and he was forced out by LeBron James, Mike Brown was, and he didn't have very much success with the Lakers. He steps in, takes over the Golden State Warriors. They have four of the ten best players, I believe, in the NBA. The Warriors do. And as a result, he's won nine straight. We're not 100% sure about this because we're never 100% sure about anything on this show. But, (laughs) at least when it comes to actual facts, but we believe that the most games that have ever been won consecutively in the NBA playoffs are 11. And so it's possible. I think Mike Brown, certainly, you would have to agree with me, has a pretty good shot to win on Tuesday, given the fact that we don't know what's going to happen with Kawhi Leonard after his injury. And by the way, that was not a dirty play. Just get out of here with that argument. And so the question is how many games in a row can he win in the playoffs, which are much more competitive despite the fact that he hadn't had great success elsewhere and uh, that was a uh, that was a crazy perspective do we want to take do we have a, another call you think I should take and then I want to play this clip from you from the weekend from ESPN Do we have another call that's worth taking Jason
4: Yeah, let's take Matt in Utah because he needs to be drug tested <laughs> Matt in Utah, what's up, Matt?
7: Going on, man. I agree with you hundred percent. But I'm going to throw this out there. I think you could maybe win one or two more games than what they won this year. Because I think you're like me, and you don't like the fact that they rest players when they're not needed to be rested, when they're not injured, and they're sitting on the sideline for no reason, or staying, staying home. I think you'd play them. You'd play them. You'd maybe get 70 wins, 71 wins, um and then you know you had a guy calling a minute ago that talked about coaches watch watch what coaches do coming out of the out of the timeouts if you watch the timeouts the star players that the warriors have they don't even pay attention they're watching the timeout the timeout show they're watching the cheerleaders they don't care they know what they're going to do they've been they're the best in the league they don't need him to tell them
2: yeah so it's a, maybe
7: you'd won more games
2: that's an interesting point well, you're banned i appreciate the call smart guy Utah's there. banned i knew i loved the state of utah got my band. Utahns are they? Utahns that's a tough phrase to I say would, U- I would
4: doubt it I think they're probably Utes I think it's
2: Utahns I think the Utahns uh they they know uh, they know what's up smart people the Utahns um okay yep,
4: Utahns you're right
2: all right so there you go another thing I'm right about today that's one uh, thing yeah one thing at least um, again apologies to Anaheim for not knowing that the mighty. what percentage of people out there listening do you think right now know that the Anaheim Ducks are no longer the Anaheim Mighty
4: Ducks more than half no way people listening to a sports radio show no. where the name hasn't it's, been the mighty Ducks since last century <laughs> not last century no, it's like 2005 yeah
2: last decade i i don't think what do you think danny g and robert do you think the majority of people listening right now knew that the anaheim ducks were no longer called the anaheim mighty ducks
1: i would hope so it was a big deal actually when that name change <laughs> happened. but you
2: guys are in la so you're close to anaheim you're basically crazy. there
4: <laughs> in, clay's de- in clay's defense he's spending way too much time working on out of uh out of timeout sets he's not paying attention That's to hockey right. right
2: now and look the difference between the mighty ducks and the ducks like it's i mean i knew they were the ducks which i think i deserve some credit for you and the difference between the anaheim mighty i think the majority of people listening to us right now from outside the la area who might have been to a ducks game before i'm going to keep calling them the mighty ducks i think the mighty ducks are in for a tough series against the predators but this is ridiculous. So I've made fun of ESPN a lot over how political they've become. Probably if you turn on ESPN today, they're going to be talking, uh, whenever they get tired of talking about game, uh, the, the, the game that happened last night between the Warriors and the Spurs, they're going to get back in to their woe is me, poor Colin Kaepernick, the NFL's so racist, the NFL doesn't like a strong black man who stood up for important political statements. Colin Kaepernick's a modern-day Rosa Parks. He deserves to get his own Mount Rushmore face alongside Caitlyn Jenner, who's the most brave person in the history of mankind, to pretend she doesn't have a penis. And also, God, can you believe how unbelievably brave Michael Sam was because he likes to sleep with men instead of women, and he told us about it. These three people, Caitlyn Jenner, Michael Sam, and Colin Kaepernick, are the three bravest human beings on Earth today. On Earth today, that's what ESPN does: rinse, repeat. They basically have become MSNBC. That is MS ESPN, and I couldn't believe it. On Saturday night, I've got my nephews over, and I'm trying to get all the kids to go to sleep. So I've got I'm literally sitting next to them. You ever have that? Like all the kids were are six years or younger. They're four, or I, I, nine years or younger. There's four of them. I got a nine year old and three six-year-olds, and I'm trying to get them all to go to sleep. So I'm sitting literally next to them. Like I'm, I pulled in a chair, and I said, you guys got to go to sleep, and I'm going to sit right here, and you can't talk. I mean, I pulled the chair in, went old school dad move, just sat there in the chair. I'm scrolling through my mentions, and my mentions blow up because several of you saw this, and I couldn't believe it was real. Sports Center on Saturday night, this is the presenting sponsorship, and it sounded a little bit like this.
5: Sports Center brought to you by MSNBC because information and facts have never been more important.
2: That's real. Sports Center on ESPN, a place where people tend to go to escape from politics, is now brought to you by MSNBC. And by the way, where did we play that clip from? Why did it sound, did it sound normal to everybody else? It sounded like it was from the bottom of a pool. Are Danny G and Robert being held hostage by ESPN right now? Guys, can you speak?
5: That was uh, what happens when you play something off a computer that was recorded from a cell phone off of a DirecTV. <laughs> yeah, it was like four different generations.
4: That's like going tape to tape to tape to tape back in like 1986 right My there. My God,
2: did anybody actually hear that? I mean, I've got really good speakers here, and I've got a really good headphones, and it sounded like I really thought for a minute that ESPN might have taken you guys out with like blow darts and that you guys were dead and that I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to speak to you again.
1: it's called uh, taking something from a fourth generation recording
2: all right so that was one of you thank you by the way for everybody who uh, grabbed that and sent it to me Um, that was a real ad that's real that's not like a saturday night live ad that is an msnbc ad airing during espn's flagship programming so for all the people out there we've kind of covered this right that republicans are abandoning watching ESPN because they feel like they're being lectured to all the time because ESPN has so aggressively politicized sports that we're growing in a rapid fashion here at OutKick. Because I think you guys just want to hang out. You want to have fun. I try to be entirely middle of the road. Try not to go aggressively after sports from one side or the other. And so I think this is fascinating would you have taken? Like I've written about this, millions of people reading about it, millions of people are going to listen to this uh, this podcast uh, discussing it. Obviously, it's a big discussion point out there. Would you have allowed that ad to be aired if you were reasonably intelligent and you worked at ESPN? I got a lot of people that listen to this show now. A lot of people driving into ESPN to work this morning are listening to us right now on Sirius XM. All fifty states, all over the nation, we're on Sirius XM channel eighty three. And so many of those people are reaching out to me. And they're not pleased with the direction that ESPN is going. And what they say is, almost to a man or woman, they say, Clay, what you are totally overrating here is you're giving way too much credit to how intelligent ESPN's executives are right now. They're like, this guy, John Skipper, is not a good executive. He's the head of ESPN right now. He has no idea what he's doing. He is totally lost. The job is way above him. He makes Donald Trump look like Abraham Lincoln. Heard it from so many different people. The guy has no idea what he's doing. Total incompetence. If you were being accused and losing and hemorrhaging viewers who were on the Republican side of the aisle, remember what Michael Jordan said? Michael Jordan said, or at least had attributed to him, a memorable quote when people said, why don't you get really political, Michael Jordan? You know what Michael Jordan said? Republicans buy sneakers too. And you know who sells more sneakers than anybody still in the world of athletic shoes? Michael Jordan. Because his excellence was not politicized. He just went out and kicked ass. And it didn't matter who you voted for for president. It didn't matter what you thought about an abortion. It didn't matter what you thought about gun control or gun rights. You liked Michael Jordan. Because he was not political in any form or fashion. And that meant that he appealed to everybody. Well, if you were ESPN and you've gone far left wing and you tried to convince us that Caitlyn Jenner is a hero because she's pretending she doesn't have a penis, and you tried to convince us that Colin Kaepernick is a modern-day Rosa Parks because he protested something that was already being taken care of by the federal government and then stopped his protest as soon as he needed to get a paycheck, and that Michael Sam, because he had to make it a big deal, that he decided he wanted to sleep with men instead of women, was the modern-day Jackie Robinson of sports. If you had told us all of those things... And along the way, you'd also told us, like uh, like Rachel Nichols did, that the transgender bathroom bill in North Carolina was like a modern-day civil rights sit-in, all these ridiculous perspectives that are far left-wing. If you had all that going on, would you accept an advertisement from MSNBC, play that again, fourth-hand, this is real life, this was on SportsCenter, which is arguing, ESPN people respond to me all the time and say, we're not political, we're not going political at all, we're not going left-wing, you're making it up, this is a stupid argument by you, this is what ESPN's executives would say if they were trying to defend themselves. And then this is what SportsCenter sounded like on Saturday night.
5: SportsCenter, brought to you by MSNBC. Because information and facts have never been more important.
2: Is there any way you accept that ad? There are lots of companies that could advertise on SportsCenter, car companies, insurance companies, snack food companies. Like, there's not any lack of companies that are trying to reach your audience. Think about what this tells us. This tells us so many things to me. One MSNBC data is telling them that ESPN is now a left-leaning network. That that is, it has gone so far left that they believe they can reach their viewership by advertising during a sports show. That should be an utter indictment of ESPN. Secondly, how strange is it that NBC is spending money advertising on an ABC television property, which is ESPN? That's strange. Third, if you have a functional brain, how do you accept this ad? I have totally killed ESPN for several months now calling them MS ESPN, saying that basically they're MSNBC meets ESPN. How do you allow SportsCenter to sponsor your flagship programming? I don't know how much more evident you can be of how politicized ESPN has become. Also, would they accept the same ad saying the same thing from Fox News? I guarantee you they wouldn't. This to me is totally fascinating, the politicization of sports and ESPN's total kick in the teeth to anybody that didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. They're basically saying to you, we don't give a damn about you. We think you don't matter. You aren't important to us. That's exactly what that ad says to me. It's exactly what ESPN's programming decisions say to me. Am I right? Am I wrong? 877-996-6369. This show, you know who it's brought to you by? Kick-ass advertisers like Geico. But we're going to break right now. 877-996-6369. We will discuss SportsCenter and ESPN's progression from a network that appealed to everyone regardless of politics to a far-left-wing sports organization that only advertises now for MSNBC. The contrast has now become complete. From the worldwide leader in sports to the worldwide leader in left-wing sports politics, MSNBC meets ESPN. MS ESPN. It's now a reality. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes you could be saving 15% or more. On car insurance, extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do Today, I think they're still alive. Danny G and Robert, did ESPN get you? He's still alive. Ooh.
4: Well, that's not good.
2: That's not good. Did did LA get taken out? We got got crickets out of LA. I knew that those ESPN blow darts were powerful. I knew that they had that poison and it's quick acting. I knew as soon as we went to that ad that they were running on, on SportsCenter that danger could befall us, but I didn't think it would happen this quickly. I think they've climbed out of the bottom of the well and been able to find a better audio version of ESPN brought to you by MSNBC. Let's see if we can hear that audio now.
5: Sports Center, brought to you by MSNBC. Because information and facts have never been more important.
2: Now, the amazing thing about this on so many different levels. First of all, this is literally, like, all these people out in sports media are like, oh, you're wrong, ESPN hasn't gone left wing. I don't know, because they're carrying water for ESPN, the Richard Deitches of the world. They're like, oh, this is a ludicrous argument. No, no, it's pretty straightforward. And I would love to hear their argument about how I've never heard. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong in this. I have never heard a political network advertise and sponsor a sports program before like that.
4: Pretty sure you're right.
2: Have you ever heard that before, Jason Martin? I mean, you watch tons of sports all the time. Have you ever heard... And I, and I think, like, again, it's not just my eyes, because I, I see very few uh, of, of, like, the average programming show that's out there. I got three kids. I'm running around like crazy, 18 jobs. So I rely on you guys to be my eyes and ears. So when you th- see things like this, you can reach out to me and find me on Twitter at all times. And a lot of you did on Saturday night when I was sitting down trying to get all, all those kids to go to sleep, and my phone blows up with all the people who are seeing this. Like four or five different people immediately saw this, sent me video of it, and I retweeted one of you. Uh, The ironic thing about that ad is that it says information and facts have never been more important on behalf of MSNBC, but ESPN just laid off all of its best reporters in the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, college football, and college basketball. Think about that for a minute. ESPN is advertising for a political network that says information and facts have never been more important at the same time that they just laid off all their guys that are the most reliable. NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, college football, college basketball, the guys you trust and girls you trust to bring you info. ESPN just laid them all off so they could have people who talk politics all day talk politics all day even more, tell you even more why Caitlyn Jenner is a hero, why Michael Sam and who he sleeps with is the most important story in the history of the NFL, and why Colin Kaepernick is a modern-day Rosa Parks. I mean, Jason Martin... If you were an executive at ESPN and MSNBC came and said, We want to sponsor SportsCenter, wouldn't you have to tell them no just based uh, on the yeah. way your business is going? Wouldn't that be a reasonably intelligent
4: thing to do? Yeah. I mean, you, you absolutely can't do this. Like, there's one. I want to go back to your point about the Richard Deitches of the world. The reason why the Richard Deitches of the world are calling you and me and the other few people that are out there talking about this insane is because they agree with the left-wing side of things. And it's hard to see bias when you live in a bubble where you can actually find a way to avoid the other side. If you avoid Fox News, if you avoid Rush, if you avoid talk radio, you can get through your entire life without really hearing the conservative point of view. And it's gotten worse that way. If you live in New York and you live in L.A., you can live around people that all believe the exact same thing. So then when you go to ESPN and you watch their content – you don't see the bias because you're hearing what you hear every single day. If you go the other way, you just think those people, are bat bleep insane, the people in Montana and the people, you know, across the flyover country and all of those kinds of things. So that's why they say that because they really don't necessarily think it exists because they think that's the natural order of things and everything else is completely abnormal. So they think that ESPN and things like that are right on the level and you, that's why they call you a conservative, even though you've never voted for a Republican. That's the way that makes sense is because their worldview begins with one ideology and everything outside of that is completely abnormal and an aberration. But yes, if a network comes to you and says, Hey, will you do this? Especially when it's political and you have nothing to do with politics or you shouldn't, you have to say, look, even if you agree with those people, you're like, look, I enjoy your shows. I watch Chris Hayes. I watch Rachel Maddow, blah, blah, blah. We can't do this. The optics just aren't right. Like this is, we might alienate half our audience here. We just This isn't a good business decision for us. Best of luck. We're going to have to pass. That's what over, you have to
2: do. Over half of their audience, because it used yes. to be that the average audience for ESPN was more likely to vote Republican than not. And because sports fans, in general, vote Republican. Like, you may hate it, but if you go into a football stadium and you look around at the crowd in that football stadium, the majority of those people and the vast majority of the stadiums in this country voted for Donald Trump and I've said this before, the reason why Donald Trump got elected was because of the college football coalition, what I called it. He won every SEC state. That's 11 SEC states, including Florida, which is obviously a big swing state, and Texas. <laughs> a lot of points there. A lot of uh, electoral college uh, math to roll up. And he won North Carolina, which obviously is effectively kind of a shadow SEC state. Um, and he nearly won Virginia. But you move into the middle part of the country, you won every big 12 state. And then he won, and this is pretty fascinating, and I haven't heard that many people talk about it, but the states that he flipped, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and uh, obviously Wisconsin that hadn't voted for a Republican in a very, very long time, he flipped them by the size of one Big Ten football stadium. In other words, if you change, I think it's like 40,000 votes. In other words, if 40,000 people change their votes, Hillary Clinton wins all three of those states. He won those three states by around 75,000 votes. So if you know half of that audience flipped their vote from one side to the other, half of a Big Ten football stadium changed their votes in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, and in Wisconsin, Donald Trump isn't president. Adre- Interestingly, I had Jason McIntyre on yesterday. He's on Speak for Yourself. I talked to him yesterday about this same ad, and he had this to say.
6: Your ad money, uh, MSNBC, we will gladly take
0: your ad money. Uh, on our marquee sports center, you know, and we will we will definitely take your hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, to advertise. Now, is it a bad look?
6: Certainly. Uh, I mean, listen. It, 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 how does the thought process go through at MSNBC? Are they like, hey guys, are you reading all these stories? Uh,
0: ESPN's only got a liberal audience. Why are we advertising there? <laughs> We're missing an opportunity. Let's jump on that bandwagon, and you know, they're like, let's like shoveling money
6: to ESPN. And then it hit social media. And when I saw your tweet, I was like, oh my God, is this? I, I, like you, thought it was fake. And and, I mean, I don't, I just don't know if you're ESPN, can you turn down all that money at a time when,
0: you know, there's cord cutting and and, and, uh, the company's got some issues?
2: Idiot. Idiocy. Pure idiocy to take that money at this point in time. We're going to go to trending, but I want to open up the phone lines. 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage. Let's find out what's trending now. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And as well, always want to remind you, with TrueCar you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over 3 grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. I'm going to get to your calls here in a moment. Jason Martin fielding all those and lining them up. But this is an unbelievable story and it just came out from the Drudge Report and it is from a, univ- a, a Kentucky I'm sorry, a Kentucky a United Kingdom source just came out this morning early this is maybe the one of the most remarkable animal thunderdome news stories that i have ever seen again i am saying that i'm reading this directly from the drudge report so this article is up on the internet it sounds unbelievable but it's so perfect for the animal thunderdome cue the music
3: Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying time's here.
2: This is Animal
3: Thunderdome.
2: I'm reading directly from this article. Zimbabwe. A pastor has been killed after he was eaten by three crocodiles while trying to walk on water. Jonathan Mathawa. Was trying to show his congregation how Jesus walked on water by crossing what is locally known as the Crocodile River on foot. This seems like a bad idea by the pastor. However, he did not make it across the river in Zimbabwe. That's unbelievable. I can't, I just, I refuse to believe this story is true. I think the Drudge Report whiffed here. Do you believe that a pastor was killed by crocodiles while trying to walk across the water to prove? Like to show what Jesus did? No, no way.
4: Well, I don't see. I don't believe anything from Drudge anymore. They've kind of gone off the deep end over the last twelve to eighteen months. I'll have to see that somewhere else before I believe it. I'm looking it up now.
2: It's written on. I mean, it's on a uh, another website, but Drudge share. Well, that's
4: all he does, anyway. All right. Daily Mail has the same thing. Daily Express has the same thing. All the Independent same story. UK has the same story. Pastor. Here's here's the list of. I, I put in Pastor Crocodile on google pastor eaten by crocodiles demonstrating jesus's water walk pastor eaten by crocodiles after trying to walk on water like jesus pastor attempting to walk on water like jesus is eaten by crocodile zimbabwean pastor eaten alive by crocodiles while demonstrating how to walk on water so it is a lot of different places
2: so it's all over the place i'm going on the record here you know that i am your animal thunderdome expert i am going on the record as not believing that this story is true This is the first time we've had an Animal Thunderdome story which has gone viral. It's everywhere. And I just don't believe it can possibly be true. What do you guys think? Around the horn, do we believe that the pastor was killed by a crocodile?
4: Listen to this line from the Daily Mail. Witnesses claimed only the pastor's sandals and underwear floated to the surface. <laughs> Clay, if why that would really, the underwear
2: not go
1: too? If that really happened, Clay, you can win 73 games as the Warriors head
2: coach.
4: Clay, you lost underwear. You told that story last week. Maybe the pastor lost underwear trying to get away from the crocodile.
2: Well, that Before seems like a bad strategy. Well, anyway, that's the story that's out there. It's going viral. You'll probably see it everywhere. That's Animal Thunderdome news. But I'm going to question Mark at the end of It's like Animal Thunderdome. I'm not sure. I'm not sure there whether the Thunderdome really happened. If so, got to question the pastor's decision to try to walk across the water as a crocodile infested lake or river it only made it
4: 30 meters they said by the time the south african emergency service er 24 arrived at the scene the pastor was already dead is it possible that the witnesses just tossed this dude in the water because there was an (laughs) there was some kind of argument and this was the explanation it's like uh, because they knew he was a passer like oh he was trying to walk on water and the crocodiles ate him when actually it was like three gangsters that tossed him out there
2: here's my question what was he trying to like he can't walk on water right would we all agree that's
4: why jesus was special
2: yes that the impressive thing about jesus walking on water was that jesus supposedly walked on water okay the pastor can't walk on water i don't think there's people out there that are like you know what my pastor's so amazing that he can walk on water and if so if you were able to walk on water i don't know that you would make your living doing it in zimbabwe for your congregation like i would be like i'm far be it for me to be an expert, but if I were a walk on water kind of guy, probably try to go to America or at least a country that didn't have rampant inflation. And I probably wouldn't work as a minister. Maybe I would, maybe that's the way I could make the most money, but I certainly wouldn't decide to demonstrate that I could walk on water in a crocodile infested river because again, not an expert here, but I have seen crocodiles come out of the water fairly regularly And bite people. Like, even if Jesus could walk on water, it doesn't mean he could walk on water and crocodiles wouldn't eat him, right? That's a different miracle. If Jesus had said, like, hey, hey, guys, watch me walk on this water, and I'm going to make these serpents, these massive, you know, like dinosaur-surviving crocodiles, not eat me, that's another miracle, right? Walk on water. Just because you're walking on the water doesn't mean a crocodile can't jump up and eat you. So that seems like a real miscalculation on behalf of the minister there shocked witnesses
4: shocked witnesses said the clergyman had quote prayed the whole week before the stunt went tragically wrong he also fasted in the lead up to the attempted miracle inspired by a biblical tale horrified members of the saint of the last days church said the pastor was completely devoured in a couple of minutes
2: well that doesn't surprise me again if all this is true again I'm, i'm i'm an animal this is the first time we've reported an animal thunderdome story which has gone viral it's everywhere and I just have a question at the end. This is not Animal Thunder Dome. This is Animal Thunder Dome.
4: I'm not so really sure this, about it. This is one of the greatest quotes I've ever read. This is from express.co.uk. This was from one of the witnesses. Quote, He promised he would demonstrate his faith to us today, but he unfortunately ended up drowning and getting eaten by three large <laughs> crocodiles in front of us. Unquote. That is an amazing
2: statement. It can't be, it's, can't be a real story. It can't be a real story. All right, we're going to take your calls. Final segment. We also have Tebow Watch coming. Are you prepared for Tebow Watch, Jason Martin? When's the last time I wasn't? It's way too cocky. I could I
4: could prepare for Tebow Watch and apparently win seventy games with the Warriors.
2: No, you I, I think you could win seven. I think you could win probably about the same number that I could. People say, Oh, you're so cocky. I'm not saying that only I could win five less games or four less games than the Warriors ran, ran, won this season. I think most people could do that. We'll take your calls, 877-996-6369. I am Clay Travis. Questionable Animal Thunderdome news. If so, really rough day for that preacher. Prayers for Zimbabwe. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. We now have a podcast best of version, if you haven't heard it yet. Robert, what's going to be on the best of version? I'm sure it's extraordinary today.
5: We had so much to choose from, but I had to go with things that I like, things that I wanted to enjoy. That was the uh, the hot take of Clay winning 64 games as the head oh, coach of the Warriors. Oh, I would yeah.
2: win 64 if I was a sideline coach for the Warriors. I don't think there's any doubt. Also, MS ESPN. Thanks to our friends at MSNBC sponsoring SportsCenter, the Animal Thunderdome. We got poll questions up. I'm going to hit those in a sec as well as uh, that I think the Warriors still would have won, even if there had been a healthy Kawhi Leonard, just like they won when they got down by 22 on the road in uh, San Antonio. Okay, uh, let's see. I got a couple of poll questions up for you right now. Do you believe that that guy was actually killed by crocodiles or not? Um, and I think I actually forgot to put the poll question up, so that's a, that's a whiff on me. Um, I didn't give a yes or no there, so I have to delete that one and fix it. Total whiff by me. Did you think the Anaheim Ducks were still called the Anaheim Mighty Ducks? A lot of ridicule from you guys for not for me not knowing that. Actually, it's almost half and half right now about the percentage of people that knew that the Anaheim Ducks were no longer the Anaheim Mighty Ducks.
4: They know what I said, Clay. Fifty percent.
2: I don't remember what your. I'm suggestion pretty sure was. I said fifty percent. Well, fifty-seven percent say no, so you were wrong. Even though it's wrong on my side. All right, do we <laughs> are we taking calls? Or are we just going to do Tebow uh, Tebow watch here? Is there anybody worth talking to? to? We're just going to do Tebow Watch. All right. We're just going to do Tebow Watch. It's time. Yes, it is. There you hear it. Son of God has returned to earth. He is now attempting to become a Major League Baseball player. Tim Tebow, word was last week that he might be promoted by the All-Star Break. What did Tim Tebow do over a long weekend, Jason Martin?
4: It was a long weekend, and there were a lot of games scheduled, but Delmarva, Maryland is apparently the site of the new flood. Animals moving two-by-two two up there, apparently. Thursday, if you remember, there was a rainout. The plan was to play on Friday, doubling up with two games. Both games on Friday canceled due to rain. Then, after only getting through two of four playing games with the Shorebirds, Columbia goes to Lakewood, New Jersey to play the Blue Claws. Guess what? Saturday postponed due to rain. So that's three straight days with rainouts for Tebow and the Fireflies. Yesterday, will miracles never cease. They actually played baseball. And the Fireflies actually beat Lakewood, winning the game five to three. Tebow so excited. however, who came into that contest batting 250. Not a good day. Amidst news reports to the Mets organization. Considering promoting Timothy Richard to high single A after the midseason MLB All-Star break. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just high single yes, A? Yes, by the way, it would be the St. Lucie Mets in the Florida State League, to be exact. High oh, they, single they A. It would,
2: would be impossible to get a ticket to there. If he's going to play in the state of Florida, It would. I mean, I'm not kidding about this. That would be like hundreds of dollars a seat to go watch Tim Tebow play baseball in the state of Florida, no doubt.
4: 0 for 3 yesterday, two strikeouts. He did get a walk. Average back from 250 to 243. The Fireflies play two against Lakewood today as they attempt to make up Saturday's postponement. Then they have two days off before they play West Virginia at home this weekend. So Tebow's at 243, maybe St. Lucie, and this is a great name. First data field in the future. We'll see how he does today, and that's your Tebow watch for Monday, May fifteenth, 2017. Take
2: That take that for data. Take that for data. and Take indeed. that
4: for first out field. field.
2: Uh, you know what? I managed to get the poll question back incorrect. I mean, back correct this time. Do you believe the Zimbabwe preacher, Animal Thunderdome News, was actually killed by crocodiles while making a point about Jesus walking on water? The majority with me early. Two-thirds of you saying, no, you do not believe that story. It's made up. I think it's made up. But it's it's evidently ricocheting all over the Internet. And, Jason Martin, you like you had seven or eight different places that all had the same story
4: they did i will say that zimbabwe might not be the place i would look at for credibility when it comes to stories like this especially strange deaths of people like there's a lot of bad things that have happened in zimbabwe over the last couple of decades certainly but it is in a lot of a lot more reputable places like looking through there there are a lot of websites that have different variations on this again there's no video of it, so it's all via witnesses, which means a lot of people could have conglomerated to find a way to get this guy killed and then say that he tried to walk on water. But there is there are reports that in the week he prayed, he fasted, he told people about this, that he was going to demonstrate faith, and again— the quote that, that just has to be re, restated. He promised he would demonstrate his faith to us today, but he unfortunately ended up drowning and getting eaten by three large crocodiles in front of us. That from one of his witnesses, parishioners, whatever. Tough way to go. Tough. Yeah, I don't know. A struggle.
2: I, for a minister, I mean, I know there's tough ways. It's to, never easy to die. But I would think that being a minister trying to demonstrate your faith in God and being attacked by three crocodiles and eaten torn limb from limb in front of your parishioners, probably not the way. I remember there were a lot of people. It's like, you know what? I, wasn't, I was unsure about whether or not I was going to go with Jesus or not. Now that I've watched the minister try to demonstrate how much he loves Jesus, get eaten by a crocodile, still not 100% all in on the Jesus train. Just Thank gonna, you, Jesus! Just, just going to throw it out there. I don't know that's the best way to convince people that, uh, that your
4: religion is just. Also, you're kind, of, you're kind of poking the bear, right? It's like it, Jesus knows he walked on water. He's not going to let you walk on water. Like, Why are you trying to prove that? like you're trying to put man on front street that's what made him special he's not just going to let you go out there and do his thing it's like well, you put yourself it. in a situation where he might have just rolled out with the crocodiles and be like now nah, you're going to take him out this ain't Jesus
2: happening. didn't walk on water in Zimbabwe in a crocodile inf- infested river I mean that's, that, that's like kind of a different thing right I mean Jesus walked on water I think in uh, what was it the uh in the sea of uh Galilee was that where he walked on water do we have a G- do you, uh, does anybody know I mean, I know everybody going to water. hell on I'm this a show? Christian,
4: but I didn't know it was the Sea of Galilee. I think it was it the Sea
2: of Galilee. Is there any confirmation it was the Sea of Galilee? I don't think right the now. Sea of Galilee is known for having tons of killer animals yeah, in it. Yes, Sea of Galilee. Haters gonna hate. How about that? Haters going to hate it, deed. How about me bringing up the, the biblical knowledge there? So the Sea of Galilee is not crocodile infested. If it were crocodile infested, totally different story. Maybe the world would be totally different today. Uh, maybe maybe it was
4: crocodile infested at that time, too. No, it we was have not. no idea.
2: Not not saltwater crocodile infested. Uh, I am Clay Travis, by the way, and if you missed today's show, you missed a, an incredible uh, array of great sports knowledge. I pointed out that much like Mike Brown, I could have won the vast majority. Again, I, I think it's being incredibly underrated here that Mike Brown is right now pursuing and Ty Lue, who I don't think anybody's out there like Ty Lue, man. That's the guy that I think knows X's and O's better than anybody in the history of basketball. These two guys are competing to set an all-time record for most consecutive playoff wins, right? LeBron James and his Cavs are 8-0. And by the way, LeBron James should get that record too. If Ty Lue wins 12 straight playoff games, which has never been done, we don't think, before, if he wins 12 straight playoff games, then that should be LeBron James's record. LeBron James should get that record for most consecutive wins. And the same thing is true if Mike Brown goes out and wins 12 straight playoff games. They should give like a joint award to the four big wizards in that context. Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, uh, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry should all get a portion of that award. It's crazy to me that they came back, again, you're talking about Mike Brown, at, at best considered to be a mediocre NBA coach, not just beating Greg Popovich head-to-head, but coming back from a 25-point deficit. And my argument's straightforward. I believe that I could coach the sideline of an NBA game, just the sideline. Assistant coaches would handle practice, everything else. I think I could coach the sideline, and I would win at least 64 games with these Warriors. I think the difference would be three or four or five games between me and what number of games that they won without me. That's how impressive I think I would be. Just about as good as everybody else. That's how talent dictates everything in the NBA. All that matters is the players. Coaching, totally overrated. Popovich got wrecked. 25-point lead that he gave up to Mike Brown. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio.
9: Oh, 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 O'Reilly.
1: You need parts? O'Reilly
0: Auto Parts has parts.